I'm David Belson. And I'm Rachel Redan. And this is the Branding London Podcast. The first season is brought to you by Libro Credit Union, a group of epic humans focused on increasing prosperity in southwestern Ontario. They have just launched a new campaign, My Life Here, which fits the theme of this podcast quite nicely. To learn more, go to libro.ca slash mylifehere. This interview is with Kate Graham. At the time of the recording, she was a candidate for the MPP position of London Northwest Centre. She was unsuccessful in that attempt, but she was successful in securing her PhD. So uh, she's now Dr. Kate Graham. Anyway, it's a great interview, and I hope uh, you look forward to hearing from one of my favorite Londoners. Uh, But first, here's Rachel with the land acknowledgement. We would like to acknowledge the history of the traditional territory and honor the longstanding relationships of the three local First Nation groups of this land and place in southwestern Ontario. The Ottawandaran peoples once settled this region alongside the Algonquin and Haudenosaunee peoples and used this land as their traditional hunting grounds. The three long-standing indigenous groups of this geographic region are the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, and the Lenni-Lenape peoples. I'd like to recognize the three First Nations communities neighboring the city of London, Chippewas of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, and Muncie Delaware Nation. We continue to honor the legacy of the space we're in by using the Roundhouse to tell stories, increase collaboration, and work with our clients to improve human lives. We believe that telling the stories of our fellow Londoners will help bring us together to solve problems. My first guest is uh, Kate Graham. So going to give you an opportunity, Kate, to just, what's your name, position, function? What are you, you doing? I, I gave a little bit of the spoiler, but we'll go back to basics. Sure. Yeah. So I'm uh, Kate Graham. First and foremost, I am a Londoner. Nice. Uh, I currently am uh, seeking the, I'm running in the election in London North Centre in the, the French, upcoming provincial election. And I spent the last 10 years working at City Hall. I was the Director of Community and Economic Innovation, which meant I did work on strategic initiatives and culture, uh, economic prosperity, and a variety of other things. And I uh, really enjoyed my time working at the city. It was uh, really learned a lot about the community mm-hmm. that uh, I think has well prepared me for this. And you and I know each other through volunteer work. Mm-hmm. We yep. were both uh, past board chairs of Pillar, and I think we've met through a variety of other capacities too, just few, supporting yeah. community organizations in the city. So. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, Pillar is, is part of the, the narrative, I think, for me when looking at the social innovation pillar and uh, no pun intended. But uh, yes, yeah, so that's, you know, I'm talking to Michelle Baldwin later on today to kind awesome. of bring that narrative in. Um, so it's super exciting. So, um, you know, for uh, for those that aren't aware, you're you know, we're obviously coming up to a campaign cycle. Uh, yeah. You're running London North Centre, so you're uh, not elected yet. Um Tell us what it's like to be uh, a politician seeking uh, a seat here in, in city or city of London. So, I mean, this is my first time uh, running and it has been an amazing learning experience. As I said, I felt like I knew the city pretty well after living here a long time. I've lived in eight different neighborhoods in London North Centre. I worked for the City of London. I volunteered for lots of charities and so on. Uh, I am learning a ton about the city right now by just talking to Londoners. So I spend a couple hours every day, literally going from door Mm -hmm. to door and asking people about what's on their mind. And it's been a fantastic way of learning about the city. I'm uh, consistently uh, impressed by 
sort of how engaged the community is and uh, the range of issues people are interested in and also how different it is, even one neighborhood to the next or street to street. Mm. The kinds of things on people's mind is often uh, wildly different. So it's a real education about the city. And uh, I was told once that the canvassing experience, you know, certainly part of it's about an election and connecting with voters and so on. But, you know, if someone is lucky enough to be elected to represent a group of people, you can't do that well unless you really understand them and you can't understand them unless you create a lot of time to listen to them. So that's been my approach is using this campaign, uh, not only to do the things campaigns normally do, but also to make sure that myself and everyone else involved in the campaign team were really growing as Londoners by learning more about the city. And mm-hmm. that part has been just the best. It's been great. So what's the... Um What's the biggest aha moment or, or biggest uh, discovery you've made just out and talking to people or, or what maybe, and asking the same question a different way, what's something that's shifted in your perspective or something that you think differently about the city now that you've talked to hundreds, if not thousands of Londoners? Uh, so there probably be a couple of things. I think on one hand, uh, you know, a lot of people when they, when they answer the door, they'll be very frank that, you know, I don't vote or, uh, you know, I don't care about politics or politics doesn't matter to me or politicians are corrupt or any other number of things that suggest that somewhere along the line, um, politicians and institutions of government have failed them so profoundly mm. that they have completely disengaged from the system. They no longer see it as a vehicle for positive change. They don't see any value in taking the time to get to know a candidate or show up to the polls. And uh, and that's been uh, both eye-opening and also really discouraging, but in some ways also gives us the reason why uh, people who are trying to get into politics or are in politics need to do better. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to pay really close attention to those people and why they don't see government as a force of good and why they don't see politics as a force of good. We need to understand what's underneath that and uh, and hopefully be a part of changing it, rebuilding that trust. Was that a surprise to you? Well, you know, we did a lot of municipal engagement before. Yeah, and I mean, voter turnout at the local level is a lot lower than it is provincially, which mm-hmm. is also lower than it is federally. But when we would do engagement work at the city, you know, often it's people self-select to come out. You know, you mm-hmm. hold a public meeting and interested folks come out. Canvassing is a very different way of connecting with the community because you're literally, you're showing up in their space. You're interrupting their evening and talking mm-hmm. to them about, you know, political issues or, or kind of anything else on their mind. And so you get, a, I think, a much better representation of how people are feeling. And, uh, and I've been surprised with how often people you know just just don't feel like politics is a is a force of good and they they just they're very frank and very open mm. about the fact that they don't participate in any way at least you get o- o- open and honest feedback i guess yeah no yeah. it's 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 good to hear it's hard to hear but it's uh, it's good to hear and it's important that people are voicing that because it it often begs you know if the door doesn't slam immediately after that it usually opens up a really interesting conversation about why they feel that way and why voting isn't worth uh, worth their time so yeah it's, it's been it's been a good learning to be able to convince people to come out and at least vote if not for you then re-engage in the process or is there i is i'm it certainly tough... oh i'm certainly working on it and i often i mean i'm I'm a candidate. There are mm-hmm. other good candidates. People should vote for who's going to do the best job for them. Uh, I would work very hard on behalf of the city, but ultimately it's the most important thing is that people stay engaged and vote for who they think will do the best job. Yeah, I would agree, you know, with the, what's going on, the, the broader spectrum of political um, discourse, both sides of the border, U.S., Canada. Yep. Um, you know, I think a lot of the the challenges uh, is exactly what you're talking about, that disengagement. And I think it, you know, in the States, it's starting to show it literally lives can go on the line um, when people aren't engaged and taking care of their communities. So uh, hopefully we can shift 
some of those perspectives. I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think politics is often also seen as being um, sort of really negative, you know, the divisiveness and the attacks and, you know, people not being able to take different ideas but get along and make better decisions by having a diversity of opinions. Mm -hmm. You know, when they see politics as being something that, you know, a normal workplace doesn't work where you've got two teams who are at war or where it's just constant attacks of each other. That's not how the real world works. And I think people want to see politics done differently where it can be an open conversation about different ideas, but people still can get along with each other. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's what I'm trying to encourage people who feel really disappointed and just don't want to get involved in the negativity to say it does not have to be that way. Mm Well, I've seen, um, so, you know, London North being uh, the riding um, so far that has the declared candidates it, it, from social media. Anyway, it seems like there's good um, dialogue and cross support from you and the other candidates. Yep, so sure. I haven't seen any negativity yet, but we're nope. not in the full campaign cycle yet. But hopefully that trend can continue. Let's so. hope. Yep. Trying to keep it positive. Yeah. So uh, next question would be. Yeah. Oh, did, all right. Are you still, are we still streaming? We're still good. All right, cool. Um, next question is quite simply, why do you live in London? How'd you land here? Why'd you stay? So my, my dad's family has been in London for generations. I don't know exactly how many generations, but, uh, as far back as we can trace, there are roots in this area. My mom, uh, was from Charlottetown. She moved here to do a master's degree at Western and planned to go back to the Island mm -hmm. on her second day here. She met my dad and <laughs> never, uh, never left. So yeah, so my, I'm here because my, my family and I've got roots here, but, uh, certainly when I graduated university, uh, at Western, I mean, a lot of my peers were, left to go to other cities you yeah, know it's 80% or something like that leave from yeah, Western. yeah you know the kind of perceived greener pastures of other communities they didn't think that London had uh what they what they were looking for London didn't offer what they needed to start their business or start their careers or start a family or whatever kind of was priority at the time for me uh, I'm a big believer in investing in the place where you are mm -hmm. and making the place where you are as great as it can be so I uh, chose to stay in the city and I've I've had a really good experience in this community uh, you know, I was able to find work in the field that I was interested in. I, I did a master's in public administration in local government. I was able to find a job working for the city. I was able to find uh, nonprofits that I really cared about and uh, be able to find meaningful volunteer roles. As I said, I've lived in a couple different neighborhoods in the community and uh, I've really enjoyed that too. Mm -hmm. I currently live in Old East Village. It's it's fantastic. It's everything people talk about the village yeah, as being. Things, yeah. yeah, really well, you know. When, a lot of craft breweries, breweries. Oh, like craft that, breweries, yeah. artists, you know, really caring neighbors. Uh, when I, I bought a 100-year-old um, home and uh, it's been really wonderful to hear how interested people are in the history of, uh, of buildings in Oldies Village, which is great. When I moved in, there was a little welcome package, which everyone that moves into the village gets oh, with cool. local jams and information about, you know, different events and things. So so there's there's a lot of good in this community. And uh, so I've had no reason uh, but to stay because uh, my experience has been so positive. Cool. That said, uh, there are also a lot of parts of London and experiences that people have in London that are not okay mm -hmm. and need to get better. I've had some of those experiences and others have too. And so, you know, I think London's an evolving project. There's a lot of work to do, but on whole, I think it's still a fantastic community and one that I'm really proud to live in. Yeah, when I first, um, you know, put out the the narrative on the, the blog post, uh, I was challenged a little bit um, and actually have added in, you know, I have a sort of a content plan of the way I think the, the series is going to go. Yep. And uh, I, I called it the London, city of the London of missed opportunity because we haven't um, always embraced, um, you know, inclusion, diversity, and you know, you and I uh, 
would know from work on Pillar, there there are many organizations who are trying to change that Pillar being yeah. uh, included within that. But there's still, if you speak to the different communities that have felt marginalized, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. So I'm oh, yeah. looking forward to exploring that that sort of counter narrative. Uh, you know, if, is it the city of opportunity um, for only certain certain people or, or things like that? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, one of the last uh, big projects I worked on while I was at the city and, and probably one of the best learning experiences for me was yeah. on the diversity and inclusion strategy. Mm -hmm. And we put a call out to Londoners to help us write the plan. We didn't know if five people would show up, 20 <laughs> people would show up. We had almost 250 people, oh, wow. yeah. all of whom had experienced some form of hate or oppression or discrimination, racism, Islamophobia, mm. uh, on and on and on uh, in the community. And the reason they were there is because they wanted to live in a city where, you know, it was better than that. Mm. And they wanted to be a part of making change. But hearing uh, those experiences, it, uh, it was really startling and also highly motivating about why we need to, we need to get better. We need yeah, to get more I mean, there's been a city. few obviously public um, incidences and, um, the blog posts and in media events and unfortunately yeah. it, it when we tend to show up in london in the national narrative it, it seems to be racism is a a common theme that shows up uh yep. so i mean on one hand it's terrible that these 250 people had the, the experience but also i think it speaks to um something again that's really special or, or happening in that community that sense of vibrancy <laughs> that's there um that they're willing to show up and that they're willing to engage uh, at, yep. at that level and, and believe uh, that giving up their time will actually positively improve their circumstances. Yep. So I think, you know, having 250 people show up is an amazing outcome for an event like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. And I mean, the high profile, you know, the, the banana peel, the blog post, those yeah. things do, I think they're a real black eye on the city from a brand perspective, but it's more the the everyday experiences that people like th tens of thousands of Londoners have every day. Yeah. That's the part that's, you know, even more unacceptable. Yeah. You know, that should not be what the experience of London is like for so many people. I would agree. So, uh, and I think part of the the process to heal that is to acknowledge that. And so we're yeah. talking about lots of positive things, but I like that you brought in the fact that there's lots of great things going on here, but there's definitely still work to do within the city. Yeah. Um, you know, you can take this either from the, the political lens or from your experience working in City of London or your, your volunteer work. But um, is there something that you think London does better than anyone else? Like if you're say you're out, uh, let's say you get elected to Queen's Park and you're meeting with another fellow MPP and they say, you know, what's so great about London? Is there a single thing that you could pull out of the, the air or? Uh, would it be a, a rambling 60-minute narrative about all the great things? <laughs> uh, I, probably I would tend towards the latter, unfortunately. <laughs> I need to get better at being succinct. But, uh, you know, people often talk about London as being a great place to start something, the whole mm -hmm. test market and, mm -hmm. you know, the dawn of insulin, the, you know, first Canadian brew, like all of those things. And mm -hmm. I, you do see examples of that all around the city where people are able to turn a good idea or a problem into something that actually, you know, takes off. And, you know, I mean, my goodness, look at where we're sitting right mm -hmm. now, what your company has been able to do, what, um, you know, spend 10 minutes at innovation works or walk through any of our, you know, medical research labs, go up to Western and you'll see that there are amazing ideas taking form in the city. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do I think we do that better than anywhere else in the world? That'd probably be a tough sell, but I, 
I'm not sure that the, if the benchmark is that we are the best in the world at something, mm-hmm. you know, I think it leaves us to constantly be focused on everyone else around us yep. instead of uh, just being, you know, really strongly championing good things that are happening here. There are many, many examples of awesome things happening in the city. And I would be really interested in pointing out a few of those. You know, if someone asked me at Queen's Park, what's great about London and what are you the best at? I would pick a few things that I well, think what are, are a few things? fantastic in Let's the city. Let's go right now. Okay. Well, I, I would start by probably talking about what's happening at Innovation Works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I were both a part of this story where yep. the idea that there are people across sectors yeah. doing all kinds of cool work. And when you put them into a space together, interesting innovations happen. And uh, we would never have anticipated that that space would be so full, nope. so fast, uh, yep. you know, strictly from a dollars and cents perspective, but also the energy that you feel when you walk in. I don't think I've been there uh, yet where there isn't interesting events yeah. that I've never heard of. <laughs> you can't have a coffee there without talking to someone who's doing something Amazing completely things. fascinating yeah. you haven't heard about. Um, and then, you know, these are sort of the more often told stories, but you can go to the website of any major institution uh, in the city, any nonprofit, uh, any, you know, any, most of the big businesses and so on. And there, there are really interesting things happening all over the community. Yeah, let's, um, you know, Innovation Works is a fascinating thing. And we were both on the, the board uh, together. And, you know, I, I mentally, and I think even some of our projections <laughs> kind of thought, that space would take maybe five years to kind of really come up to full capacity yep. and two or three before it started really jumping. And, uh, you know, we recognize, you know, as a board that that was a, a plan that we could take and we believed in the project. Yep. Um, just ha- how surprised were you uh, that that, you know, they started saying they're full of, of private desks or close to full within yep months of opening the doors well it's been amazing to see how successful uh that project has been for sure for me the real measure of success is uh you know i i teach a class at king's and a group of my students were there last week and the feeling that they had about the city you Mm. know and we often talk about students being you know on the bubble they spend a lot of time on campus Mm -hmm. when they come out into the community and they walk into a place like innovation works and they're meeting people who are you know, let's say a few years into their career, 10 years into their career, late in their career, doing really amazing things in this spectacular space. And they talk to the student about their interest. The student starts imagining what a life in London would look mm-hmm. like. And the fact that that is happening is, uh, to me, the most powerful thing about about that place. And it's not just Innovation Works. You know, there are examples of that all over the city, but that's one that's near and dear yeah, to our no, hearts. And, so. and um, it's, you know, when I kind of piece together this thing around you know this human innovation that, that we do something that's unique there's a few different stories that kind of came together in my mind one um, that sort of repeats itself is how quickly uh, a community can come together to do something amazing yeah. um, and community I, I don't necessarily mean in the city but like groups of people like the London CYN, the Child and Youth Network yeah. is another example where there's something like 400 organizations that collaborate on um, on youth well-being and, and childhood yep. and, and raising better children. And that sort of just happened, you know, I don't know that it was through a, a major initiative. It's just a, a, my sense is that it's a group of organizations that just said, hey, we want to do something better. And uh, mm-hmm. they just did it. And it uh, there's the Employment Sector Council London. You know, Innovation Works is a key one to me to say, how did that come together so quickly? Like, you know, again, we're on the board, uh, you know, a lot of the credit goes to the pillar team. I think they made some amazing oh, yeah. campaigns and really yep. hustled and, you know, the I'm in campaign and getting donors, but even the community bond, when they first announced 
I think it's a million dollars for that yeah. community bond. I thought it was going to be a, a slug to kind of get the, the, the final dollars in. And I think they were turning people away at the end. Yeah, sold out. Sold out, yeah. yeah. So like when I started really thinking about what is it that makes London unique, there's something in those narratives and I, that's kind of what I'm trying to, to pick away at. So, you know, what, mm. like, that's my question. Why, you know, if you're sitting back with the benefit of hindsight, again, looking at the board, you know, we would have thrilled if the building was filled in five months or, or five years. I mean, uh, that full, uh, and it happened in the space of six months after opening, you know, what is it that allowed that to happen? Do you think, or do you have any ideas about the, the, coalescing of forces that happened to get that building that full was it just a pent-up need that you know we obviously had identified the need in the organization that said yes this, mm -hmm. this need is but i uh, i at least underestimated the demand uh, for that within the city so mm -hmm. sometimes I, I feel like um you know if a, it's probably a common metaphor but if you think about a city as an onion and you know the, the longer you live in a community or the more you get to know a community you can peel back the layers and really see kind of what what's underneath what's at that core yeah and uh, i think innovation works was an example of a bit of a peel back where i mean a lot of the people in that space were already doing really cool things mm -hmm. you know the collection of there's what, 130 or so tenants in the space many of whom you know they didn't start the day that innovation works right. happened yeah. um yep. so but what it allowed is for people to in a moment come in and be able to see all of that work all together mm. to be able to connect with those people to deepen relationships between sectors organizations entrepreneurs individual firms individuals uh, and so on and so it's it created a way for the community to come together and get to know each other a bit better mm. and there's a real power in that so i don't know that it uh you know it created something new i think it maybe just um strengthened something that was already happening so what, um, for those that don't know, you know, there's a, the culture office at the city of London where you were working in the, you, yep. know, you had innovation in your title. Um, what is the city's role in, um, sparking innovation or helping cultural advancements within the city? Obviously there's uh, management of funds and some grants, I think that happen, but yep. really, you know, when you're sitting at city hall and, uh, in your performer role and helping to, yep. I don't know if encourage or spark or, uh, facilitate is the right set of words but you know maybe explain what the city's role in and some of this stuff would be yeah well and i mean there'd be different uh perspectives on what the right city role is my personal opinion is that uh, the city needs to do a couple of things uh, in any sector and we can certainly in culture this would be true so the city needs to be a great supporter of good things already happening mm -hmm. so for example when uh, the london music office was launched which has mm -hmm. been just I think fantastic for the city. Uh, it was a good collection, you know, uh, uh, Tourism London and the Arts Council and many others were involved in it, but uh, but the city, you know, provided the funding and ultimately was the home for the office. It wasn't because that, you know, that started the music sector in the city, mm -hmm. quite the opposite. We had uh, an incredible music sector for many years, very talented musicians, as well as the, you know, the support industries around music. Those things were already happening, but it was an investment for the city to support the growth, to promote, to strengthen what was already happening. And, uh, and it can have powerful results as it has in that particular case. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes the city also uh, needs to play a role in sparking something. And you'll see examples in the design of funding programs, for example, where a little bit of money 
money with the expectation that it leads to great things. The Sparks program would be uh, an example where literally it's to do that. It's to give that little bit of fuel that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe it's an idea. Maybe it's the motivation to bring a group of neighbors together to make something really good happen. So sometimes the city leads, sometimes the city follows, uh, sometimes the city supports. It can be a variety of things. Where, um, to maybe explain that the Sparks program I haven't heard of that one specifically uh, and this one wasn't this was in uh, the neighborhood and children's services area but it's uh, very small amounts of money that are given to uh, you know often to neighborhood or community groups but to do interesting things with and uh, it just you know a lot of funding is targeted to big organizations and it's you know intensive application processes and so on this was intended to be more nimble more uh, grassroots and allow good ideas to take shape so you know it wasn't wasn't in my area but just mm -hmm. an example of where you know, I think the city was able to do something pretty powerful with with not much money. And the um, you know the, the Juno's coming to uh, London in 2019. That's obviously really yep. exciting. Is that uh, a byproduct of that London Music Council bringing those people together? Is that Tourism London specifically taking the lead? Like, is that an example of the city working together um, across different groups? Yep. I would assume to do a bid like that, I'm not familiar with that process at all. But Yeah, well, I mean, Tourism London uh, and others, you know, a bid like that is an extensive process. Yeah. But for London to even be on the radar, a lot of things have to be happening in the city, mm -hmm. which includes, you know, the work of individual musicians it includes music venues it includes the media the kind of buzz around the music sector that's needed to make london seem like an exciting and viable location for an event like that mm. so for sure you need you know tourism london's done a fantastic job of uh, of championing that the music office and others but uh, ultimately i think that's a real success for the entire community because we would not be hosting the junos if there weren't already it's it's a i think it's a real vote of confidence about what's already happening in the city and that's you know again my my theory is that there's some really good stuff happening in the city it's maybe just not as commonly known uh yep. that's part of the uh, challenges that i'm trying to mitigate with this program yeah. oh. um what does innovation mean to you you know you had it in your title uh what does it mean to you so uh, there's a lot of different definitions of innovation. Uh, sometimes people define innovation as being something new or finding a new solution to you know, a problem, an old problem, a new problem. Uh, I think innovation can take uh, many more forms than that, though. It can be the creation of something new. It can be uh, incremental improvements to something that's already happening. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it can be just doing the same thing in a, in a better way, in a different context, you know, making some change that makes something uh, take off. So I, it's a tough word, and it's become a bit of one of those buzzwords that's used to mean absolutely everything to the point where uh, I think, unfortunately, it loses a bit of meaning. But at its core, I think it's about getting better. It's mm -hmm. about, you know, finding ways to do things better, to make things better, to uh, support people. It, it, can, it can mean a lot of different things. And, um, you know, with my, uh, the theory that I had is that London maybe does human innovation better. And it's that concept of coming together. Mm. Um, so again, with the London CYN, <laughs> Uh, child and youth network uh, with innovation works you know all the, the sort of case studies we've talked about it would go towards that definition of there's already there's already something there that's happening we're just innovating a, a different way of getting those connections together and people in together in the same room and, and yep. you know again combining the best practices across uh, 400 organizations in the case of child and youth network to improve all 400 members of that network or of that collaborative yep. The same sort of thing, I guess, with innovation works. You know, you're bringing people who are already doing great things, you know, the 
you know, mind your mind comes to mind as a tenant of innovation works. They're doing great things before coming into the, the space, but it allows them to connect with other people who are doing yeah. great things. And, and that's where that, inno that additional innovation happens, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a coincidence that London has and, you know, for, especially for the city size, an unusually large state of the city address and unusually yeah. large business achievement awards. The Pillar Community Innovation Awards is, you know, a thousand people plus. Mm. Those kinds of things don't happen in every city mm -hmm. where where there's an opportunity to come together and talk about the city, to celebrate people in the city. People show up consistently year after year um, in an unusual scale for yeah. a city of about 400,000. So, you know, that says something. Was well, um talking to you before we went live but we had a, a client from uh, la come in and they have a lot of awards ceremonies there and they're actually blown away by the size and scale of the business achievement awards yeah. um you know it's they amazing. said even you know in, in burbank or the studios uh you wouldn't see that in some of the the recognitions that they have so for them to kind of be shocked by this town of four hundred thousand bringing an event of that scale and magnitude mm -hmm. uh, was really you know interesting because we take it for granted that we're you know we go to these events um, but even to have that outsider's perspective of wow this is pretty amazing i mean jerry talks about the achievement awards being the largest in in canada um, why do you think that is why why do we have a thousand people at the chamber uh the innovation awards uh, you know again i think around the same numbers for the state of the city address pillar innovation awards around 800 i think 900 you know that's a that's a as you said a large draw for a city of this size yeah. uh, what brings us out well for me you know and i again i feel like i know london reasonably well as a longtime Londoner and, you know, through a variety of involvements, uh, I learned something new at each of those events every year. So at the Innovation Awards, for example, when they showed a video of it was like 50 or 100 people who get together weekly and play ukuleles, for example, <laughs> I had never heard of that before. And there were people in the crowd taking their ukuleles around. And the video, of course, was about, you know, social inclusion and people feeling mm -hmm. a part of a community and newcomers becoming it, all kinds of good things came from a group of people literally coming together and playing <laughs> ukuleles. Yeah. And it was such a treat to see that being recognized for what it was. And if there wasn't a forum like that, you know, I wouldn't know that was going on. You may not know what's going nope. on. So it it shines a spotlight again on things that are already happening. And I think people keep showing up because it feels good to live in a city where you see that cool things are happening around you and it's an easy way to learn about what's happening around you. So I think that's why we see these these big events growing every single year because people want to be proud of where they live. Mm -hmm. They want to live in a city that, you know, great things are happening in and they want to feel connected to that. And so, you know, it's worth spending an evening to come out and, and be a part of it. I guess um, <clears throat> sort of like circled around this question a little bit put a finer point on it uh, do you think london has an identity crisis you know when you uh, when you think about to explain the great things that are going on in london you know you need you need a 60 minute uh, run at yeah. it um <clears throat> to explain all the things whereas that you know other cities um jump to mind uh waterloo being the most ob obvious you know size and scale they have a brand that's pretty recognizable e even on a global sales stage when you talk about waterloo you know tech is gonna just jump uh, first into your mind um, and that's been a deliberate action by the city and the people that live in it um, does London have an identity crisis or or uh, is that something we should be concerned about as yeah. people operating and trying to run businesses and things like that yeah well, I think I mean this question about what is London has been a perennial conversation for a long time you know if you think back to 
everything from Ambassador London, the London mm -hmm. Plan, uh, the City of Opportunity, most state of the city addresses Vision 96. Like we could keep going back and mm -hmm. back. And the question about what is the community, you know, what what is London all about is sort of central to each of those discussions. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, it's worth maybe even taking a step further back and asking what is a city brand in the first place mm -hmm. because uh, it's certainly not a slogan on a highway sign it's not an image it's not uh, you know a, a tagline or maybe any one thing sometimes people talk about a brand as being what people from other places think of as the community yep. and uh, certainly that's a part of it but for me the more important part of a city's brand it's it's sort of the collective of what the people who live there think about the place where they live you know it's their perceptions of where they live which is informed by their own experiences mm -hmm. it's informed by what they value about that place you know so some of the most successful city brands in the world like um the iheart nyc brand for mm -hmm. example which is you know was found in the 1970s or uh, you know, developed in the 1970s is still going strong. The reason that's so successful is because it spoke to something that resonated with how people already felt about their city. They already believed that. Mm -hmm. It connected directly with the pride and love that, you know, New Yorkers felt about about New York City. So the idea of like, kind of creating a brand, I, I think we we miss the mark when we do that. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's it comes back to that onion analogy about better connecting with each other, better understanding the community, better understanding each other. And, uh, and from that, I think we do find that there are a few common things that tie us together and the brand, the question to the, or the answer to the brand question lies somewhere in there. Mm. So, and, and I mean, also the city is not some homogenous entity, right? It's constantly evolving. We're about to cross over the 400,000 threshold. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of change has happened. You know, the, the historic image of what is London would not match up today with, with, you know, if you were to arrive here today with what you would see. So mm -hmm. it's a constantly evolving question that requires us to really stop and think about our own experiences with the city, our own values, what kinds of things bring us together. Why do people make the choice to live in this community? And, uh, and I, it's not, one answer, one simple answer. If it was, we would have found it a long time yeah. ago. Uh, and it may not be something that stays steady for all of time, but it lies somewhere in that collective experience of, of what being a Londoner is all about. Mm -hmm. And I think um, my sense is uh, that within cer certain circles anyway, um, there are there is a lot of civic pride. We just can't necessarily put our, uh, our finger on it. Um, you know, there was the Ambassador London campaign. There was, as you said, there's been a few other campaigns yep. to draw it out. Um, I guess the follow-on question of that is, do you think it's important? Um, is it is this project, you know, that we're embarking on worth worth time? You know, obviously you're giving up your time today. I don't know yep. if it's because I asked you nicely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, how important is it as we are uh, citizens of this city to uh, be have some civic pride, you know, that I heard New York campaign, because mm -hmm. obviously, I mean, New York would have some of the similar problems with London, I assume maybe it's different, but there's definitely challenges within that city. Um, yeah. You know, I think every city is going to have its challenges, but uh, how important is it that we are proud of where we come from and uh, proud of the things that we're doing while we recognize there's still work to be done. Yeah, I think it's uh, incredibly important. I uh, have often thought that this city has a real confidence issue mm. where uh, although we have every reason to be proud of being in this community, you will sometimes hear from people and sometimes from people in very prominent voices with mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, with quite a platform to speak on uh, sentiments that do not reflect that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to feel really proud of the place where we live. And I think when people feel proud of the place where they live and invested in the place where they live, they are also more likely to help with addressing some of the most serious problems mm -hmm. in that community. So, uh, and there have been some great examples of that. Actually, I, I think the, the prom queen grand mm -hmm. theater was a really good example of that where, you know, something happened and it gained media attention and you saw within what, yeah. 24 hours, hundreds Less. of Londoners yeah. step up and say they, they were expressing a commitment to the city and mm -hmm. a commitment to seeing the city be better and to showing students and, and, and other people that this is a, an inclusive city. Yeah. So, I think when people feel really proud of where they live, they become stronger citizens and they become a part of the solution to fixing the, the many serious issues that the community faces. Well, so you know, it's really important. That event was, again, one of the, the you know, kind of things like how if we have a, a city that's not engaged and we have a city that's not um, feeling good about itself or has a self-esteem problem, um, that's terms I've used. Um, it may be, again, stealing something from uh, Adam's podcast, uh, Towards yeah. London, which you should listen to if, yes. you, if you haven't. It's a, a great narrative. Yes, thanks. He's sitting over there, too. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> He's smiling right now, too. He, oh, good. <laughs> I, it's hard to make Adam smile sometimes. Um, but uh, it, um, you know, my sense is that uh, I grew up in Goddard, which is not far from here. And London was always uh, seen as conservative and closed off. And um, and self-absorbed and I actually think it's like a, it is a self-esteem a collective like we almost apologize when we say we're from London right oh where are you from London Ontario yeah it's you know it's close to Toronto uh, like I travel a lot or used to travel a lot more for work uh, and you know that'd be you'd almost apologize for London and having to add the, the Ontario um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was, uh, maybe when the financial institutions kind of dumped us in the fifties and sixties, they all took off for uh, Montreal. And I don't know that it, the ego, the, the collective ego has ever, uh, recovered from that. Um, there's, uh, somebody else was talking about, I think it was Mona from MLD solutions about, uh, the swagger of London and, um, you know, how, uh, there's just no, um, there's no swagger. I, I can't think of a better term for it. Um, that when we talk about London, we don't talk about uh, that. And, and yet, you know, five of the top 50 Deloitte fast growing companies were from, from London, you know, mm -hmm. so 10% of the, the great organizations are coming from, I think we're one or 2% of the, the population of Canada. So in many ways we hit above our, our belt and, you know, innovation and doing exciting things, but yet there's this counterculture, which is almost apologetic about the, the city that we're from. So yeah. um, I guess my, my question there would be, does, does London need a little bit more swagger? Is that important? Um, is that something we should be, and where does that swagger, I guess, come from? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I completely agree with everything you just said, first of all. And I think uh, if we as Londoners are not willing to champion our own city, good luck if we hope mm -hmm. that anyone else is. And being a city champion, being proud of where you live does not mean being blind to the social ills of the community. I think quite the opposite, actually. Mm -hmm. But when we look at, you know, my number one expectation of 
um, whoever is at Queen's Park, whoever is on Parliament Hill, people who are leading key institutions and traveling all over the world, to me, a part of that responsibility as someone from London is to be really proud of the place you are mm -hmm. from. Uh, there's probably nothing more powerful that we can do to help not only build the community's reputation internationally, when you think of 400,000 Londoners almost, and all of the connections that they have around the world, mm -hmm. uh, it is powerful. So if we are not willing to stand up for our city. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a lost cause. And I think the swagger comes from that collective pride. Mm -hmm. you know. And there are cities, when um, when I was doing my dissertation research, uh, I was traveling to cities all across Canada. And mm -hmm. one of the most impressive experiences was when I visited Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And I was doing interviews with civic leaders, members of the media, uh, you know, mayors, councillors, and so on. And every single interview that I did, uh, the person that I was interviewing said, Vancouver will be the greenest city in the world by mm -hmm. 2020. Every single person I spoke mm -hmm. to said the same thing. And, you know, that was um, pretty impressive because I didn't see that in any other city. Mm -hmm. I thought if I was interviewing, you know, 100 Londoners, I'm not sure that I'd hear kind of some shared idea. But that community had come together around the idea of supporting the environment and sustainability and things that are central to why people live in Vancouver mm -hmm. and what makes Vancouver uh, so unique. But again, that's also a city where every single person that I spoke to was really proud of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. They, uh, you know, that didn't mean that they didn't also name that the city had. Right. A serious housing crisis, yeah. struggling with poverty <laughs> and all kinds of other issues, uh, things that are also true in London. But uh, but they were not shy about how proud they were uh, of of being from Vancouver. And I think it's sometimes when we hear leaders from the community or or just average citizens uh, talking about the city and you don't hear that pride, you know, I think that's what we need to be focused on on fixing. That's mm. that's step one. And how do we you know as uh, engaged citizens in London? How do you think we we do that? Well, I, there's no easy answer to that. Unfortunately, again, if, if there was, we'd probably already be doing it. But I, I do think there's real value in things like innovation works, mm -hmm. things that bring people together and get them excited about what other people in the community are doing. Things like, you know, the Business Achievement Awards, for example, how empowering for, you know, if you're, mm -hmm. you gave the example of someone who's a business executive from the States, they come to London, they hear about cool things London businesses yeah. are doing, and they get really excited about London. So, more we need more opportunities for people to get really excited and uh, and build their knowledge about the community and it's not always easy to do unfortunately a lot of those events are expensive and not accessible to the entire community and uh, we need to do a better job of using more platforms using you know many voices in many formats to champion good things happening here and also to have real conversations about things that need to get better that's awesome um, I guess at this point I kind of like to open it up um, is there any question that I should have asked you but didn't through this process or thoughts on, um, you know, really what the, the, the brand story or the importance of, of having a, a vision is for the, the city? I guess maybe that's a, a thinly veiled question. Uh, does, it, does the city need, need a vision uh, to be able to make decisions? No, I'm going to take this back as a formal question. So now you have a okay. preview of the last question. Um, so some, you know, there's some really contentious decisions going on right now. Uh, BRT, you know, LRT, which I was a big fan of and, and ultimately lost. And, yeah. um, you know, some of these things uh, without a vision for the city or without a common understanding, like I, I go to the Waterloo example and there's LRT mm -hmm. going into that city. And if you think of the, the high tech 
brand that the city has the the fact that it has to attract millennials and retain talent in the city and we know that students you know sometimes struggle to afford cars so making a transportation friendly city obviously that makes it really easy i think for city council and for some of the politicians to fund a larger project like light rail because of the connection you can see okay if we want to be a tech leader in the future we have to make sure that students and, and recent grads are able to stay in the city do you think yeah. decisions like that become easier if there's a, a better vision for the city or is that me just i'm a branding person and that's kind of how i like to think about things so is that just my uh, my personal bias showing up well my experience working uh, in the municipal sector and you know paying close attention to what's happening in cities around Canada is that these big transformative projects, they're really hard, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if we think that uh, a major transportation project, for example, in any other city in Canada, that everyone was standing around holding hands, <laughs> clapping and saying, oh my goodness, this is perfect and amazing and I can't wait till it goes down my street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is not how that goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. So we should not be surprised. You know, the you know, that experience in London, I don't think is all that unusual. And when you mm-hmm. talk to people who have been involved in big transportation projects, in big economic development initiatives, in a whole variety of other things, when you talk to people involved in those in other cities, you will find that uh, what's, you know, the, the active conversation that's been happening in London is not unique. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that's one thing. You know, even in London, you know, think about the history of Bud Gardens. You know, it was Labette, the Labatt Center at the beginning. Yep. Uh, There's a lot of opposition to that project. You had people standing, literally holding hands around uh, a set of heritage buildings. People were convinced that it would just hollow out the downtown and mm-hmm. so on. There are all kinds of uh, very, you know, legitimate comments being raised that needed to be considered. Ultimately, that project's gone forward. And, and I think, you know, if you go to see the London Lightning and you go to check out an amazing restaurant that's nearby afterwards, it's hard to argue that that's been a success. So the idea that these projects should be uniform consensus and only happiness is a fallacy. That's not how it works. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm very hopeful. We do see big projects in London moving forward. You know, there are 170 million in provincial funding, federal funding uh, that's been uh, committed. You've got prevent or, uh, municipal funding as well. You know, the high speed rail, $11 billion invested in the budget over a number of years. But these are game changing projects. And although I do use that word probably a little bit too frequently, I really mean it in, in this case. Those are projects that will uh, change the face of our city. And the fact that people People have multiple opinions about them is not something I think we should shy away from. Mm-hmm. We should create more space to hear those views, and uh, and unfortunately, when it becomes divisive and about you know black and white, yes, the project, no, the project, that's not the question. You mm-hmm. know, there have been a number of decisions already made where the answer is yes to both those projects, but there are still questions around what that looks like, and uh, we should make lots of space to talk about those things. But I'm really encouraged to see that things are moving forward. We do see transformative projects in various stages and we need to make sure that continues awesome so now i'll go back to the question i was originally going to ask yeah oh yeah sure yeah if anyone had the facebook live has a question uh our moderator adam will will soon to put them pop them in the, the comments um so we'll open that up but um give you a moment to See if there's anything you, you, I, you asked if you can ask me questions. <laughs> so I'll open the floor up for that as well. It's a dialogue. So one, uh, maybe less of a question and more of a thought to throw out to you is yeah. what is the right scale 
for a brand because <sighs> as I've been uh, canvassing, yeah. you know, I, as I said, I live in Oldies Village. I'm very proud of Oldies Village. I'm wearing an Oldies Village I love the rain. Yes, right yes. on my finger right now, which I love. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pride in the village and, mm. you know, you can, whether it's the heritage signs on people's homes or, you know, the many, many community activities, people feel really proud of their neighborhood. As I've been canvassing, I've been thrilled to see that that is evident in all kinds of neighborhoods, mm -hmm. right? I was in Blackfriars and there were many people who had uh, images of Blackfriars Bridge, mm -hmm. for example, posted in their windows, feeling very proud and connected by that icon in their neighborhood. So, you know, maybe it's not just one scale. Maybe it's not about London. Of course, that's an important brand, but having people feel connected to their own neighborhood, mm -hmm. sometimes to a specific community within mm -hmm. London, sometimes uh, the Southwestern Ontario, you know, the kind of the bigger two and a half million Ontarians and what ties us together. Yep. So there are many layers to this and so uh, it might be something you may want to explore no, I, through these know, 30 it, conversations ahead. it is an amazing um thing to think about uh in the way that i you know i'm a computer guy also way too deep on a couple of um podcasts on uh, human connections and things like that but uh, for me that what's coming out the more that i talk to people about is actually a concept of networks um so uh in human networks and the power of the human network and i think if if what London does is it you know innovation on the human scale, um, then how we do it is actually I think the connection of of networks. So I would think mm -hmm. a Blackfriars community is a smaller, tighter network. Um, and if you get into network language, there's nodes. Um, so that would be a node in the greater network of the mm -hmm. London network. And then London is itself networked um, through its connections to different communities. So uh, and the communities like the. Um, the ethnocultural communities are other networks. So, um, you know, the Greek community is a, uh, a uh, vibrant Muslim community. There's there's all sorts of different communities that are themselves networks and how they bring in the node. I think the business community in London is an amazing example of the network, pillar nonprofit network, you know. Yes. So um, how we can remove frictions and barriers for information and people and resources and dialogue to travel along that network, I think, is um, what will make us successful as a city. So I think it's incredibly important to have, you know, the neighborhood strategies, for example, like strong networks so people can feel supported, but then seeing how those networks. I've got a really together. good book for you. All right. <laughs> we, we should maybe go offline for this, but uh, <laughs> when I was doing my, my comprehensive exams, I did one on city competitiveness, which mm -hmm. really shook my views of what even is a competitive city. Mm -hmm. There's sort of the obvious traditional economic perspective on that, but you could take an equity or a social, mm -hmm. like, you know, what makes a city successful. Anyway, there's this book and they look at, uh, it examines, I think, 23 cities in Europe, but on uh, kind of competing theories. It takes competing theories about what makes a city successful and actually applies them to the experience of a number of cities. Mm. And uh, it tests things like the, the sort of traditional economic development about, you know, make taxes low and so on and business will come. It tests the creative city model. And it, then it tests this idea that a strong community is one that's well networked where information flows mm -hmm. freely, where if someone has an idea, they can quickly access people and talent and things around them they yep. need. And, uh, and it really tests those ideas in a, in a real world environment. So I'm going to lend you that book. Awesome. I think you will no, like it. It's like really it. good. Yeah, that's my, uh, and I think, you know, when you look at the, the success of some of these networks, um, it really is the ability to pass information and resources uh, yes. across. So. Yep. Did we end up with any questions, Adam? Nope. Okay. No. Carrie, did you add another one? Uh, no. Can I tell you one more thing about yeah, this book, though? And then I'm going to lend yeah, it to yeah. you and you can actually read it. <laughs> so one of the, I think, useful 
intellectual tools in this book is it talks about uh, a city as being like a car uh-huh. where there's different kinds of variables. So it talks about steering variables and driving variables. So a car is only built to drive. Mm-hmm. It can't fly. It can't swim. It's built to drive. But then when you get into the car, you have agency on where you want to take it. Mm-hmm. And it talks about cities as being much the same where there are a set of variables about a city like its geographic location yeah. mm-hmm. and its, you know, historic makeup of industries and so on. Things that are driving variables, things that we cannot change, mm-hmm. or if they do change, it's very slow. Uh, but then there are steering variables. There's what we want to do as people in this city mm-hmm. with it. And, uh, and the book very much tells us that we should focus on those kinds of variables, which come down to things like leadership and people in the community sparking conversations that bring people like all the stuff we're talking about today. Cool. So I definitely you'll uh, really like this book. It, <laughs> it, uh, it answers the question about yeah. is this conversation important? Maybe I don't even need to do that. Uh, the rest of the interviews that the book has all the answers. <laughs> it does not have all the answers. It will give you lots more questions, though, <laughs> as any good book does. Yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. Well, that... Uh, officially concludes the mind okay. interview um there's we could talk all day uh, we probably could <laughs> um but thanks so much for coming in and um as i you know i may um uh, invite you back because i at the, my whole thing is i have this hypothesis and in, in theory and i'm challenging the theory a little bit um and expect that uh, there may be some more questions as you said i uh, see this as a series of questions and probably no concrete answer but i'm hoping that uh, at least sparks a, a narrative in the city. Um, I think it's important that we have a, a common story, a common um, language that we talk about our, our city. And as you've alluded to, there's some, uh, there has been some initiatives, but I think those have started at um, say this about the city because the city's awesome without necessarily exposing uh, enough of the backstory for people to kind of get bought in. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm looking to go back with some of the researches, you know, maybe into some of the organizations that have existed since the 1900s and, you know, like cool. what has advanced the city. So uh, cool. stay tuned. Okay. I will All stay right. tuned. Yeah. Thanks for having me. David and I have put our time into recording the Branding London podcast because we love this city and, more importantly, the people in it. Our Traction decided to produce this podcast because this work is aligned with our core focus of amplifying great stories to increase relevance, impact, engagement, and momentum. If you'd like to support us, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com brandinglondon. Your generous support will help us to promote this season into more channels so that more people can hear London's good news stories and it'll help us fund future seasons. To find recaps, videos of some interviews, our Patreon link, or more information about us in this podcast, you can visit ourtraction.com slash podcast. Production assistance for this series was provided by Webisodes. Special thanks to Adam Kaplan for his help with recording the live streams and providing the audio from those interviews. We're also grateful for the technical production support of Michael Dales. Thanks for listening. Like what you hear? Subscribe to the Branding London podcast, like our traction on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 